Hi everyone, my name is Rai. Thank you so much for joining the Pakistani Corner Shop podcast. Today, we have a guest who has been through a great deal of turmoil and who has come out on the other side through her own strength and the empowerment of what she's been through. And what we'd like to discuss today is what her experiences were, what she went through, and essentially how she got to a point where she was able to recover from the trauma of essentially going through a divorce, a marriage, having a child, and dealing with the repercussions of dealing with a narcissist. So I'd like to start off with asking my guest to tell us a little bit about why you got married in the first place and what brought it to its unfortunate end. I'm a child from, you know, a broken home, a broken marriage. My mum actually left my dad due to sort of domestic abuse um, and physical abuse. And my mum was always one of those because she didn't have the choice to choose her life partner. I sort of got that freedom to sort of get to know people, have friends that were guys. And, you know, if ever... I liked somebody or wanted to get married or somebody wanted to marry me, you know, I could openly discuss that with my family. I sort of met somebody, you know, through friends of friends, you know, got talking on social media and I sort of thought, well, you know, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And looking back now, it did go very, very, very fast. And I think I hadn't given myself many options in the sense that, you know, there's there's people that are choosing a range now. And, you know, there's the beauty of that is you have a lot of, you know, many sort of uh, guys or women to choose from. Um, and you sort of compare, you know, you do, you compare, am I sort of more compatible with this person or am I more compatible with that person? And I sort of like sort of started to get to know somebody and thought, you know, this is the person that I want to get to marry. But um, I don't think that I was mentally and emotionally mature enough, you know, to do it in a in a way that was going to lead to better things. And what I mean by that was, um, you know, I was unable to sort of spot red flags. And I I got with this person and I, I knew I had a criteria. I, I knew, like, I knew I wanted somebody with, you know, a fairly decent job. I knew... We all have preference for looks, you know, we want to be attracted to the person. And I wanted somebody with, you know, the right culture, religious sort of uh, balance as myself. So I started to get to know this person and I told, you know, my family and they were really supportive. They were really, really supportive. And he, you know, told his family and he sort of portrayed that they were very supportive and um, that we should basically get our mums to talk because my mum, my mum's obviously single, and his mum was widowed. So mm. it was, it made sense. Our mothers could talk, and you know, it was easier to not have that awkwardness of, okay, is it the dads that are going to talk? Is it his dad that's going to talk to my dad because his dad obviously had passed away? So it, you know, it kind of made it easy that it was both our mums were our sort of main parents. So that happened they started to talk and it was you know even that in itself was a challenge because you know my mum's British born my mum married somebody from Pakistan whereas with his mum she was from Pakistan she she was born in Pakistan and his dad was the one that was sort of born in this country and a lot of 
although there was, you know, some similarities of when his mum and my mum were talking, there, there were a lot of differences, I'd say, very, a lot of differences to my mum's upbringing and his mum's upbringing. But we kind of embraced that. We thought, you know, it's going to be the matter of like, there'll be a lot to learn. There'll be like, you know, we'll get to know each other and sort of embrace and enjoy what makes us different about each other. So he sort of met my dad, he met my family and everybody was happy and got along. Um, he was a, a father already. He had a child who lived with him. And when I look back now, my views have really sort of changed on the whole thing. At that time, you know, I don't have a very good relationship with my own father. And I just saw them, him as this super dad. He had this child already. And I thought, wow, he's, you know, a committed single father. My mum was a single parent. He is a single parent. And, you know, it shows that somebody's made mistakes, but they're wanting to change. They've got responsibility. And I think I saw that as, a, as stability, really. So, I don't know, it impressed me, let's say. He didn't have the best job in the world. Um, he worked in retail and I had just, like I said, I was doing my sort of my nursing and, you know, I kind of felt for him. He had a lot of sort of weight on his shoulders. He had responsibility of his widowed mom and his son. And he was somebody that just, you know, came across like he wanted to sort his life out. And I'd had sort of upset and trials in my life. And so had he. When getting to know each other, I sort of expressed that, I didn't want to live with in-laws. I didn't think that it would suit me. So, and he challenged that because he said, you know, I'm, my brother's moved out. I'm the youngest son and my mum's a widow. How can I leave? And my so mother helped me a lot with my, you know, my son. So I don't want to leave. So, you know, we had a bit of a disagreement and we didn't talk for a couple of days and I had time to sort of reflect. And I thought to myself, you know, what are my reasons for saying no if I've never done it before? You know, um, what his mum was a lot older than my mum and she was closer to the age that my grandmother would have been. And I thought, you know, it might be nice to sort of have that older sort of dizzy woman in my life, you know, that tells me, oh, you know, when I was growing up, it was like this, you know, help me with them. I don't know, I, I, could, I could do the basic cooking and cleaning, but, you know, the older generation, you know, they always seem to get it perfect. And I thought, oh, I'll be able to pick up a few uh, hints and tricks and it'll be nice. I'll be the daughter she never had. So, you know, because my, my um, ex, he did sort of explain that his, not only had, had his mum been widowed, she had lost children, you know, in her, in her early years of her marriage, she had lost three babies that, actually passed away as a result of cot death. So, you know, I had a lot of empathy for this woman and I thought, you know what, I'm being really set in my ways here. Maybe that this is something that I should compromise on. So I did. To be honest with you, my mum my wasn't, my mum wasn't crazy about the situation, but she again had empathy for him because of her own trials and tribulations that she had been in. So we, you know, we got married and I moved in. It was all new, you know, so I had all that feeling, you know, shy, awkward. It's not my family. I need to get to know them. And, you know, because he was nearly a three-hour drive away from me, so there wasn't maybe as much getting to know the family beforehand, and I think this definitely would have helped. I moved in, and I just feel like it didn't take long for me to see whatever it was that I wanted to see. And looking back, 
there were things when we were getting to know each other that I could have, you know, picked up on. But I think I was just in that typical time where I want to get married, that lustful sort of period that we have when we, when we think we found somebody. And I think I, I was blind and I unfortunately wanted to see the best in people. Like I, I basically fell in love with potential, let's say. So it started off. Uh, we got married in the August and by the September, you know, it was my birthday. I remember I was, it was a really happy day for me because I knew I was going to see my family. And I remember being upstairs and there was knocking on the, on the door and I went to go answer. I thought, you know, somebody sent me something. A family member sent me something because I, I, I lived quite sort of out of the way. And I remember it was, you know, bailiffs at the door. And I thought, you know, this, there has to be some sort of mistake. I, I think you've got the wrong house. And, you know, they said my mother-in-law's name and they said, we're after this woman and she owes us this amount of money. And I was like in a state of panic, you know, my, my mother-in-law at the time, she was in the bath. And I remember ringing my ex-husband and saying, you know, I'm really, really worried this is what's happened. And when I think back now, he wasn't surprised there was no sort of surprise in his voice. There was nothing like that. I just remember, you know, having a conversation with him and there was, you know, it came out that this wasn't a first time for them. You know, it came out that he made out that his, they owned their house, you know, which is, is not a problem if they owned it or not. It was the fact that I was told that they did and then it came out that they did in fact own it, but there was a lot of sort of... Um, What's the, I don't even, I think it was a remortgage that they had taken up on the house. So the house wasn't cash like he had said. So it made me, ha, you know, it made me feel very unsettled inside. Um, a husband at the time, he was in financial mess because of the wedding that he wanted. You know, I wasn't one of these girls that wanted the whole big fairy tale wedding. I just, I remember asking him, you know, why don't we do, just do a simple nagar and just get married and keep it very low skill because bear in mind I'd been at uni my mum was a single mum and I had very limited support from my father and he insisted that he did it big scale it was it was it wasn't huge but it, it was a big wedding big when you can't afford it mm. and it came out that he had taken lots of uh, loans out for that he had borrowed money off people and it just got to a point where it was very 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 sort of disturbing as I was getting to know more and more about their financial side if I put the finances to the side there was just something about his mother that I just couldn't put my finger on she was very sort of um blunt she was very cold and you know at that time that's all it was that's all I could have said that it was you know at that time it was nothing that I could quite put my finger on there came a time where you know they were asking me to take out loans in my name bearing in mind that I just said that she was very cold and you know blunt towards me I, Naively, I thought, if I, if I get this loan out for them, if I help them financially, because I had started my, work, my job as, you know, a qualified nurse, and, you know, it's not the be best paid um, job in the world, but it, Alhamdulillah, it paid well. So um, that's when, you know, the favours, well, they were asking for favours, like, you know, for money. And I was just so ashamed I didn't tell anybody because my friends and family thought, oh, Alia's smashed it. She's got married. You know, she's got a great job. She's moving towards London. You know, she's done really well for herself. And I almost thought, what have I done? You know, so early in that marriage. But I just thought, you know what? 
this is a trial of marriage. A lot of marriages have financial problems. This is just one of them. They haven't had any sort of guidance on or help where finances are concerned. I should just, you know, have a bit of patience and just, just help where I can, you know, Allah will reward me for that if I just have that bit of patience. Um, basically, it just got to the point of it just was more money and more money and more money. And it got to a point when, when I would say no, I would feel like a very nasty and horrible cold change of atmosphere in the house from him. I'd get the silent treatment. His mom, you know, his brother would come in and out and, you know, really stare me out and give me sort of weird looks. And I just thought, like, is this it? Is this what I have chosen for the rest of my life? And then I remember having the conversation with my sister-in-law. So that would have been his brother's wife at the time. And she basically said she went through a lot of mental trauma living there to the point that she had to have professional help because she, it made her that ill living there. And I just, I, I started to worry. I really did start to worry. But because I was giving a lot of financial help, help at the time I think it wasn't as intense as it could have been because I was really really when I look back I'm ashamed but I was I was giving them basically the whole the, the money for the bills of the house the you know the weekly shops uh, the sky bill you know you name it I was doing it and I think that's why I sort of things hadn't kicked in yet full force they didn't like me talking to my mom too much on the phone. They didn't like me telling my mom. They would ask me to keep things from my mom. I, I'm, I'm, I am very much, you know, really close to my mom. So it was very strange because I wasn't used to keeping secrets from my own mom. Um, and then it got to a point where, you know, I fell pregnant. And that's where, you know, things just got from, that was, that was zero. Things just went from zero to 100. And I went through a very, very, very hard time. And I think when I look back, I'm, I'm surprised. It sounds very far-fetched, but I'm surprised that I, I didn't do anything stupid and I actually got myself out of it alive because I, I recall feeling very suicidal at times because of how I was feeling and how I was treated. My only escape was, was work because I thoroughly enjoyed my job. Um, but... Through, um, I got pregnant and my morning sickness was, you know, it was all day, every day. And it was to the point where I worked in a high dependency unit where, you know, I had a couple of patients at a time, you know, one or two. And they were very, you know, they had very sort of um, advanced needs. You know, I had to be there 24-7. And when you're somebody that's every sort of other minute going to throw up in the toilet, you're not very you're not a lot of use. So I was encouraged to go and get a sick note from my doctor. So therefore, you know, I wasn't making the same amount of money that I, I was when I was giving all that help. And I just remember being treated so badly. And, you know, it was things like, because I was too British, you know, I wasn't allowed to cook or clean because apparently girls that are born in the UK are not, um, good enough they're not they don't know what they're doing they don't know how to cook they don't know how to clean um I was too British my mindset was too British um my color it's something that you know I was always very proud of you know having you know brown skin I'm, I'm Pakistani I'm South Asian I was made to feel that I was very dark you know I'd get questions about why certain siblings of mine were a certain skin color and why are they that dark and who have they gone off and you know 
that's my sibling. Obviously, it's going to make me feel a certain type of way. It was a lot of things like that. And I was, I would be, there would be discussions, debates that would get into, you know, arguments. And it would be me versus my husband and my mother-in-law. And I would be told that this was because I was brought up with no manners. You know, it was because of the way that my mum brought me up. It would be the fact that I was good for nothing because I, I was... I was doing something pointless, such as get, getting myself a degree. Um, it was, you know, it was things like that. And um, I remember it, it was like, because I was from a broken home, I, this, that was the example. You know, my mum was my bad example, and that's why I was behaving the way I was. And when I say behaving the way it was, it was when I was saying, no, I, I don't want to do this. Uh, would you mind if I didn't do this? I haven't got any money this month. You know, I can't help you with this this month. And that's when I would get things like this. And it was to the point where I would, I would, I would really question myself. Like I would, I would wonder where, where am I? How did I get here? And I would just sort of, I couldn't match the man that I was getting to know to the man that I was now living with. And it was like, we all think that when we get pregnant and we're married, it's all going to be, oh, you know, lovey-dovey, happy times. I could say it was just the worst experience of my life because it just it got a million, billion times worse. And, you know, I had no one to talk to because where was I going to start from with my mum if I'd been, you know, hiding things on their request? You know, I, I was hiding things because I thought if I, if I tell my mom, she'll get angry. She won't understand that I have to make my marriage work. And it was a case of, I'm not very close to my dad. So what do I, what, what do I do in this case? And it got to a point where it was so bad during, you know, during my pregnancy that I actually came, came back home for a short period to which they came and got me back. And I wanted to make my marriage work. I wanted to be close to my mother-in-law. You know, I would, you know, it's, it's embarrassing because, you know, material things are, are not everything. But I was, I was at a point where I was spoiling her with clothes, you know, a coat because it was cold and she didn't have a decent coat. You know, I'd take her to get her, you know, things that maybe her son couldn't buy for her because it's a little bit awkward. I would be the one that would take her. I would be, you know, I would say to her that, you know, auntie, you should look after yourself. Let's go shopping. Let's do this. And it got to a, to a point where I realized that the more I'm doing this, it's just, it's not doing me any favors. I'm not being respected anymore or loved anymore. It, it's, it's just basically the same. And it's an expectation now to the point that if I stop doing it, I lose that, that little bit of respect that I maybe was, was getting. So yeah, it just, it, it, it was a very, very hard time for me. And what makes it worse was I went in there with all the right intentions. And I think that was very deflating to go, to go through that. I think you've unpicked so many different aspects of what is wrong with the situation, what is wrong sometimes in our culture, what is wrong sometimes in the expectations that we have, sometimes marrying potential rather than the reality, marrying somebody who has red flags that are not so apparent when we meet somebody, trying to have a close relationship with your mother-in-law because it's an expectation, particularly in our culture, especially when we are told that we should build a relationship because essentially that is now our family. We're told to forget about our 
initial family because now we are owned almost by the people that we are now married into that family and trying to build a relationship through respect is quite tricky when you are basing that on materialism and trying to do something that you think will give you the status that you deserve and that should come through who you are not through materialism but when you are dealing with people who have very different standards and mindsets to you then they play games and they play yeah. sort of cultural games with you where you cannot distinguish the difference between what is appropriate and actually what you should just do in the situation because you're trying to survive you're in survival mode exactly and you know um i've spoken about this recently on um on a different sort of platform and you know it i, I remember talking about it and getting really upset and the thing is i i'm not you know i don't talk about this to put women off from living with in-laws you know there's many many positive stories and unfortunately i'm not sorry to admit i i haven't heard any i haven't i don't know anybody with a personal story i'm not saying they don't exist i just haven't um had any personal experience with one unfortunately that's very unfortunate that i haven't i'm not i'm not i'm not wanting to put anybody off but my my big point being is you know where i'm at sort of currently is if you're somebody that that wants to great if you're somebody that wants to compromise you know with a potential because that is important to them great but my point is you know when it all goes wrong and it do, and it can it might not be as you know as dramatic as my story it might be something that we just don't get on we make each other miserable we wind each other up and you know that's not healthy um you know that's not that's not a healthy relationship that's not a healthy living space and my point being is if that's the case why should each party be miserable you know why should children be brought into that um mix of two very miserable women and my point being is if you're a woman that decides to get up and walk away from that and you know you're a wife you're a mother what then where is that leaving you know these women women are because some get put off um, marriage so much that they never want to get remarried again you know or and even if they do it's something that's very very hard for people that have never been married before never mind somebody who's divorced and then with a child it's not a, a, it's not a simple thing it's never sort of clean cut for uh, everybody and this is my point not to put people off but it's something that has to be looked at and thought about you know maybe 100 times before you commit And what would you say was the main reason that led you to finally divorcing your now almost ex-husband? What was the kind of key point that you decided I cannot and I will not make this last because I can't. It's not possible. It was, you know, I'm ashamed to admit it was when my daughter was a couple of months old and the reason why I say I'm ashamed of that is because my reasons were getting for getting out um were for my child and a lot of women might applaud that wow you know super mom she got out because of you know domestic abuse because of her daughter for her children's sake yes that it, that is something to you know to applaud but why as women are we not choosing ourselves mm -hmm. why as women are we not saying i deserve to be happy you know if i speak on 
a religious perspective, even if it's not, you know, an Islamic perspective, there's many religions that say we must look after ourselves. You know, Allah slash God has given us a life that we, we have the right to enjoy. We have to look after our bodies, ourselves, our mental health. Why? Why did I only get out for my daughter? Yes, as a mother, we, we would do anything for our children. But at the end of the day, knowing that I had all good intentions, knowing who I am as a person, why did not I not love myself enough to walk out? And I, I, I am going to go with the fact that it was my daughter. I got out. It wasn't planned for me to leave. I came home to visit my mom during her six weeks um, holidays. She's a teacher, so she was off from school. And um, basically, I came home and I felt so peaceful and so relaxed. And I remember getting upset, saying to my mom, you know what, mom, this is the first time I have felt calm, relaxed, peaceful in a long, long time. And I just one day decided I didn't want to go back. I could not go back. And, you know, and I said to my husband at the time, you know, my soon-to-be ex-husband, that it's not that I'm saying our marriage is over. I think we need some time apart because I need to figure out what it is that I want and you need to do the same. So we were on and off. We have been on and off for 18 months, you know, but it got to a point where it was one of a friend's wedding and I met up with a, you know, an old friend and she said, Ali, you're just completely not the same person anymore. You know, I was fiery. I was the jo joke, you know, the joker of the friendship group. I was the one that was bubbly, you know, silly, always getting myself into trouble, you know, just fun loving. And I was this scared, sensitive, agitated, irritable person. And I just thought, no, this is not, this is not how I want my daughter to know me, not this version. And I think that was it for me then. It's interesting that you mention how you change. And I think when you are around people that are mentally and physically toxic and abusive, the impact it has on you changes your entire being from being who you were and they emotionally starve you in so many ways that yeah. you become a mirror of a reflection of somebody you do not recognize in the mirror anymore. And I think what's interesting about this is that you've gone from being this happy, bubbly person all the way through to being walking on eggshells because you have to second guess your personality. It's very shocking yeah. when you have someone who's so sure of themselves being then captured and captivated in a situation that completely changes their entire being. And that's what's scary about abuse. One thing I wanted to ask you is how has both marriage and divorce changed you as a person? A lot. Because bear in mind, I said, I, I separated with him then. Divorce was something that was used. I'm going to try not to get, you know, emotional, but it was used as a weapon. Mm. And when I say that, it was when I wasn't complying with, you know, the code of conduct that they had given me, that that word would be thrown at me, divorce. And I kid you not, I would cover my ears and cry and scream to the point. I, again, I'm ashamed to admit, as a woman... You know, as a wife, as a mother of a small baby, I got on my hands and knees and I begged. And I said, I'll do anything, but please don't, don't divorce me. And, you know, Allah works in mysterious ways because the tables completely turned. I felt I got my own home once separating, you know. I got, um, I got back into work. I was building a good relationship with my daughter. And you know what? I remember thinking, 
maybe divorce just isn't that bad because mentally I feel peace. My mind, my, my own, you know, my own insides are a happier sort of, um, I'm, I'm happy to be alone. I'm happy with what is going on inside my mind. And it got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm not going to have that happy family life anyway, because if I was supposed to have it, I would have had it by now. And it got to a point where I thought, do you know what? Yeah, I do want to end, end this marriage. Because again, and this bit, I'm not ashamed to admit, I used to be, I get, even after separating, I gave chance after chance after chance with family support, against family support. Because bear in mind, you know, as women, as men even, we go through this, but our family goes through it with us. If we like it or not, they do. And, you know, there did come a point where my family were like, you're not going to listen to us. You're going to keep giving them second chances. Well, I'm sick of that term, second chances, because it wasn't ever a second. It was like a hundredth chance. And it got to a point where I just thought, no, you know what, I'm done. And I thought, you know, after finalizing this, you know, I was going to be a crying mess, depressed, not eating. I am the happiest that I have been in a long time because I'm actually being, you know, I'm thinking about me. I, selfish is, a, is always used in a negative, you know, way, but I'm thinking about me. And by thinking about me, my daughter benefit, benefits from that. My daughter is happy. My daughter is provided for. And I just feel like I, I wish I'd done it sooner, but I understand why I wasn't supposed to. On a final question, what advice would you give women who are looking to get married? And we mentioned earlier about your sort of disclaimer that not everyone moving in with in-laws is a terrible idea, but this is your experiences. So based on those experiences, what would be your advice for women looking to get married? But what would your advice also be for women who are in a similar situation to you? If it is that you, you and a potential have decided that you are going to go ahead with living with in-laws, then it comes back to that saying where you're not just marrying, you know, the woman or the man, you're marrying the family you've got to be compatible with the family then. You have to be because if you're not compatible with family, it, eventually if you're two people that just clash and don't get on, it's going to affect either your mental health or the, you know whoever, you know your mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, it's going to affect their mental health. And eventually think, you, know, you can hold it in and hold it in, but it just gets very, very messy. So either you've got to check your compatibility compatibility with who you're going to be living with but if not if that's something that you you find awkward or you don't want to do even though I really stress that you should I say you you find out what happens if it is not gonna if it doesn't work and I had an interesting point made to, like brought forward to me the other day oh well that's that's planning for a negative outcome no that's planning for the fact that life can be so sort of, we can't, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't, we can always go in with being good, being having good intentions, but that doesn't mean everyone's always going to be good to us. It doesn't always mean everyone's going to be bad towards us, but you have to understand where you will stand if it all, you know, it, you know, it hits the fan because at the end of the day, he's going to be at home with his mom, it's not going to affect him. But as a woman, it affect, affects you in every way. So I think women need to really sort of look at what have I got to gain in the uh, situation A, E, A and situation B? And what have I got to lose in situation A and situation B? You've got to be prepared. 
On a final note, I think what you've stated here and the experiences you have been through are so traumatic. But what I really find insightful about you is how much you are learning about yourself, the growth that you are really, really owning. And something that I know about yourself is that you are seeking therapy. You are in therapy yeah. at the moment. And it's something that I advocate personally because I think not enough South Asian um, the community do not talk about these things. And because of that, we have generational trauma. We have trauma that is so buried deep within our genes, almost, that we mm. need to deal with that. So one thing that I would advise, yeah. based on experiences and based on some of the things you've said to me in the past, therapy is something that's really highlighted and helped you recover from the trauma you yeah. also faced. But what's also important is do not stay in a situation regardless of the culture that you come from, regardless of expectation, because ultimately you deserve to be happy. So I'd just like to end it there by saying thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. And sharing your really traumatic experience, but also something that I think so many, unfortunately, so many women can resonate with. So I look forward to having you maybe join a session in the coming months and um, hope to see a, a sort of progress in your recovery. And we look forward to having you all join us in an upcoming session soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.